Welcome to the All Things Nintendo Podcast. I'm Brian Shea from Game Informer, and this is a weekly podcast to discuss all the biggest news and games from the world of Nintendo. We have so much to talk about today, but not much of it is actually news. News has been relatively quiet this week, but we do have a few talkers. Then we'll transition to three reviews of recent games that came to Switch, followed by our discussion of Sonic Superstars, which is featured on the cover of this month's issue of Game Informer. Joining me for this first segment is Game Informer's own Wesley LeBlanc and Marcus Stewart. Marcus, Wes, welcome to the show. How are you guys doing today? Hello. I'm good. Hi. We're, we're here. It's the three of us. Yeah. Is this the first time? This... No. The, the very first episode, I had three people on it at the same time. So uh, well. <laughs> this is the best three-person episode. Yeah. Obviously. So... Yeah. Like I mentioned, only a few news talkers this week. And uh, first up is one that hit late in the evening hours. Nintendo has released the next wave of Game Boy titles on Switch Online, and they're pretty popular ones. In fact, I'd probably say they're maybe two of the most beloved Game Boy games ever. And when I say that, I think a lot of people, especially considering the history of covering Pokemon titles first, they're going to think, oh, it's Pokemon Red and Blue. But no, it's not Pokemon. It's The Legend of Zelda, Oracle of Ages, and Oracle of Seasons. Do you guys have any love for these games? It's funny that you uh, made the comparison of Red and Blue, because you could call these uh, The Legend of Zelda Red and Blue, in a way. It's like a similar sort of, like, you know, dual game release. Uh, I've never played them. They've always been the most interesting Zelda games I've never touched next to Majora. And Mm -hmm. it... Uh, this is my own fault, but I I bought these games on the 3DS uh, eShop years ago with the intention of finally playing through them and just never have. And I still have them installed on my 3DS, but now they're on Switch. It's like, well, I guess I guess I'll just play it there. <laughs> like, did I did I waste <laughs> my money when I bought those years ago? Not really. It's just my own fault for you know dragging my feet on playing them. But I'm excited to. I guess now finally get a chance to ignore them again, potentially (laughs) on the latest handheld. I I, I will probably, this will probably be the versions I play. So, well, it is pretty cool because they, these games back in the day, if you bought both of them, you could get a password from playing one. And then when you go and play the other one, not only is like, are there like items that are different enemies and characters that are a little bit different, but also there is a final sequence that you can only unlock after playing both games where you get like the true final battle, which right. is a pretty novel concept back in the day. Cause it used to be like, all right, yeah, if you buy Pokemon red, you get, I guess, exclusive Pokemon, but you can't really like do anything unless you have a friend who also has like Pokemon blue. And it's like, Oh, I want a Nidorino. And yeah, it's just kind of like, I'm, I, this was like a, a different approach to that type of situation where they want you to buy both but like you know you don't have to have like a friend who has it to trade between them uh, but yeah the password system uh, is still intact on the switch online version so you can actually experience the full saga and uh, those are available right now on switch online so two of the most popular and greatest game boy color games of all time available on the Game Boy catalog. Yeah, and uh, now all the Capcom developed Zelda games are there too because they did uh, Minish Cap. Cap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that is something that it's. It, I, I was writing this news story up and I was like, man, like there's like every major Zelda game is now on Switch except the two that I always bring up, which are Wind Waker and Twilight Princess. Why do we still not have those games? I have no idea. Hmm. Uh, but next up, 
IGN had an exclusive reveal yesterday. Uh, Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl 2, which is the next entry in Nickelodeon's Super Smash Brothers clone series. And uh, the trailer showed that, like, you know, most of the roster appears to be the same characters as the first one. But it also shows that Squidward and Jimmy Neutron are joining the roster, which... They definitely leaned into kind of the meme ability of Squidward. Like they had like the handsome Squidward and they had like a lot of the the gifts that you see of him kind of playing out in the game. So I'm about that, especially after they leaned into it with Nigel Thornberry being one of the characters that they added. It's funny that because uh, they did that with Hugh Neutron as DLC in the first game. Because, you know, he's also a big meme. Yeah. It's like they added Hugh before the main character of the show that he's from. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Kyle, though. Because so Kyle, uh, in between his stints at Game Informer, worked at Game Mill Entertainment, which was is the uh, the creator of this game. And he, I, I think he was saying that, like, Hugh Neutron was, like, the bane of his existence for, like, several months. <laughs> because people were just wouldn't stop tweeting it. All he sees is Hugh Neutron when he closes his eyes at night and just ducks. <laughs> Wooden like, ducks. It's like how some people like they close their eyes and they see like the Tetris blocks. He see, he's like, <laughs> he hey, Jimbo. <laughs> Nightmare. Not a bad uh, sight. Yeah, Not a bad sight. I mean, Jimmy Neutron, absolutely. If he was born back then, he would have grown up to been Oppenheimer, right? Oh my god! <laughs> Certainly I thought not you were going to go like yeah. he would have grown up to be like Elon Musk or something. But I guess if we're going further, further back, yeah, I can see he, he would invent the, the atomic bomb, right? He would say that he had a brain blast and he'd be like, <laughs> I, I figured out a way to win this war, everyone. <laughs> I mean, the name right there is Neutron. So uh, whatever. But let's move on. Uh, <laughs> so the trailer also showed some uh, graphical improvements, which looked pretty stark in contrast. Like I was like, oh, this looks like the first one. And they showed like kind of like the. Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl 1, Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl, Brawl 2. And it's like, wow, the environments and the character models look so much more detailed. And then they also doubled down. This entry will actually have voice acting at launch, which was my like main takeaway from my when I was playing. I, I didn't play it like much, but I played it a little bit at launch. And it was like, this is oddly quiet because like nobody made any sounds. It was just like sound effects. There was no voices whatsoever. And then in feedback... People kept saying that. So I guess after the fact, they went in and added voice lines for all these characters, which it uh, improved the uh, experience. And it definitely feels a lot less um, less empty now. And then new gameplay modes and a new campaign. So, Wes, does this look like anything that would appeal to you? Um, probably not. Uh, like, I have Smash Bros. if I want to play a game like this, and I don't really play Smash Bros. as much as I'd like to. And I'm not, I mean, I like Nickelodeon characters, but um, I don't know. I dabbled in the first one and wasn't too impressed with it. Uh, so maybe I'll give this one a try just to see the improvements, but like, I don't see this being anything long term for me. Didn't the first one like just come out last year or uh, is time just flying two by? Two years ago. 2021, I believe. Yeah. Wow. That it is had wild. DLC that up to last year, which was the other. I was actually a little surprised by this announcement just because uh, I remember the first game getting kind of blasted for its sort of like lackluster, like post-launch support. Yeah. Uh, just for like characters they were adding and just how long it took to get stuff like the voice acting update didn't come until like months after the game came out. And also, I mean, it didn't help that it came out around the time that a multiverse came out and kind of ate its lunch. Uh, mm, you know, now yeah. multiverse is, 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 in hibernation until next year. So what a weird thing that is, by the way, multiverse is <laughs> like it, it came onto the scene and like people seemed about it. 
and they did like some updates. They added characters people wanted, and they're like, "Oh yeah, guys, we're they charge money." Oh god, it's like I we forgot we, about that. Yeah, they were like, actually, this was a beta, which I I don't know if that I guess that was communicated at some point. It was like, really? I thought the game was just out. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I hope that they learned their lesson with that stuff and like, you know, maybe has better DLC role. I also hope the second one, I, I haven't watched the trailer, uh, but I hope that they added the DLC characters maybe just to the roster at this point, you know, like Rocco and yeah, Rocco was in there. Garfield uh, is in there. What's um, her face from the teenage robot show? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know April O'Neil, the Ninja Turtles and Ren and Stimpy. I saw SpongeBob Patrick. So yeah, there was a bunch of characters that I recognized from the first game. And then also remember like DLC being announced for those characters. So hopefully that is the case. Hopefully it is kind of like a smash ultimate situation where it's just like, all right, all the characters from the past entry are in this game. And then we're going to add DLC characters and like new characters after the fact. I wonder, like, because I'm with Wes where I'm not particularly interested in playing the game. I was kind of like, meh about the first one. But like, the the roster reveals are the only thing I'm interested in. It's like, who do they they dig through, you know, add from like Nickelodeon's history? Like, I hope they get even weirder. And I would honestly like... Yeah, like do that. Mm-hmm. Stick stickly or even like tap Faced. into the live action show stuff of like <laughs> add that camp, camp counselor guy from Salute Your Shorts in there or like Pete and Pete Look, or iCarly or something. Just get Keenan Thompson. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Keenan yeah. and yeah. Kel as a tag team. Oh, yeah. <laughs> here's, uh, here's what I think. Like I know that Disney owns the franchise now, but they need to get Doug. They got to work out like a Spider-Man situation with like yeah. Marvel and Sony sharing it. We, we need that with Doug. Like it sucks when I go to like Target and it's like, oh, there's a Nickelodeon shirt with all my favorite shows from childhood. And it's like, ah, it's missing Doug. That feels kind of weird. <laughs> like I know, again, I know they sold the IP to Disney back in the 90s. But like that's that second season or whatever, the the, the Disney season of Doug, it doesn't exist. The, the same it's way that a lot good. of Star Wars fans are like, uh, the, the sequel trilogy doesn't exist. I will flat out say that the Disney seasons of Doug do not exist. The best thing about Disney Doug is the movie they did. I actually think the movie was pretty good. I never saw it. Yeah, Doug's first I just first assumed movie. it sucked because the, the rest of the <laughs> Disney stuff they put out sucked. Yeah, it, it's a fun watch. I, I liked it the most. And I did watch a lot of Disney Doug just out of like, sheer devotion to Doug's. I love Doug so much that I was like telling myself, like, I don't think this is as good. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I really hope they get super wild with the, the roster and, and get some like real deep cuts in there. Yeah. I mean, that's how you attract people who are just kind of like, ah, it looks like a crappier smash brothers. Like, look at like <laughs> power Rangers battle for the grid. Everybody was like, ah, that's kind of like crappy street fighter, but with power Rangers characters. And then like, they started getting a little, over the top with it and they literally added like power ranger forms of ryu and chun li and everybody's like okay this is kind of cool actually yeah. i was gonna say people actually like that game though like it's yeah. got a community around it it started off like oh okay this is like oh we have street fighter at home vibes and then it like <laughs> they've done a lot of improvements and that game is actually pretty respectable now yeah so uh hopefully that's the case with this one because uh, again this is very much like why would i play this game aside from i like nickelodeon when Super Smash Brothers Ultimate exists on this exact same platform. And I already yep. own that. So yeah. like that this is targeted, I think, towards people who either have super heavy nostalgia for Nickelodeon or don't have a Switch. But it is coming to Switch uh, as well as every other major platform. We just don't know when. But I don't know if it's going to be too far off, though, because the official account on Twitter for it or X or whatever we're supposed to call it now 
is um, saying it's available for pre-order. So I don't know if we're going to be getting a release date soon or if it's like, yeah, we're just listing pre-orders like super early. <laughs> so it's going to come out the same day that Multiverses relaunches. <laughs> <laughs> But all right, the last news story that I have for us, and we're going to jump into a trio of reviews. Late last week, NetherRealm Studios held its San Diego Comic-Con panel. And, uh, you know, the centerpiece of that was Mortal Kombat 1. And the big news coming out of it was that we now know the first six DLC characters that are a part of Fighter Pass 1. So we have three characters from Mortal Kombat and then three crossover characters, which is not out of the ordinary for the Mortal Kombat franchise at this point. So... From the Mortal Kombat side, we have Quan Chi, Ermac, and Takeda, which I like Takeda. I like all three of those characters, actually. And then on the crossover side, I'm sensing a theme. So, you know, Mortal Kombat 10 was kind of like horror slash sci-fi. Mortal Kombat 11, the, the, the crossover character theme was like 80s action movie heroes because they had like Terminator, Robocop, Rambo. It was a pretty cool uh, theme that they they brought into play there. This time, we have Peacemaker, we have Omni-Man, and we have Homelander. So I'm sensing a superhero vibe here. <laughs> and um, Are they, they superheroes? I was about to say, I mean, it's like a very specific like, type of justice. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, yeah. superhero question mark in parentheses. Yeah, so Peacemaker, I don't know if it's going to be voiced by John Cena, but they did confirm That's... that Omni-Man is going to be voiced by J.K. Simmons. They gotta get Cena. Oh my god, it would be amazing. And, and he would do it. He seems like he'd be totally yeah. down to do and that. And it yeah. seems like they're going to have Anthony Starr for Homelander. Okay. Which I mean, uh, they the the official The Boys uh TikTok account I think leaked this like 2 weeks ago or 3 weeks ago where when they announced Homelander was coming to Call of Duty, somebody was like do Mortal Kombat next and they just responded confirmed. It's like cool guys, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But yeah, Peacemaker was a big surprise for me. I'm not an invincible uh fan. By the way, Peacemaker's from uh James Gunn's The Suicide Squad and also his own HBO Max uh show Peacemaker. Omni-Man is from Invincible, which is the Amazon Prime series, and Homelander is from The Boys, which is another Amazon Prime series. So I'm very excited for Homelander and Peacemaker. I don't have any real like affection or connection to to Omni Man or Invincible, but do either of you know that show? Yes, oh yeah, I it's love Invincible. Really, really good. I've heard great things about it, and like, is is it kind of like similar themes as like The Boys? Yeah, uh, it's There's definitely a, like I, rated R superhero stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I I actually haven't seen The Boys yet. I I just know like oh just from God. cultural osmosis things about Homelander. Oh yeah, I'd like to think like he's evil Superman. Basically, you're like, okay, I, I I've seen that. Um, I do plan to watch it at some point. I but. cannot recommend it enough. I love that show. Like, I'm maybe more excited for that than like the next season of The Boys than I am like any MCU thing. And I'm like a diehard MCU yeah. fan, but like the quality has dipped so much, especially like Secret Invasion. I, I'm not going to spoil anything because that season just ended. Man, what a disappointment Secret Invasion I'm, I'm, was. I've been hearing that online. I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard people say it's definitely one of the endings of all time. <laughs> like, <laughs> the acting was so good and everything else was so bad. Uh, but uh, I, I'm glad that NetherRealm has found uh, comic book uh, super-powered people that they're allowed to rip apart. Yeah. Because all so, of them come from, like, hyper-violent series. Let me ask you this. Is there any chance let me ask Wes this is there any chance we get a marvel character in here we have a dc character we have invincible Ooh. we have the boys is there any chance we get a marvel character 
I don't think so. No, I mean, this, like, no, there's no way because that's basically DC working with Marvel because it's Warner Bros. So I just don't see that happening. And I don't see which Marvel character would fit here to be like ripped apart and have yeah, their face exploded. And... What's up? Maybe Punisher? Yeah, perhaps, but. <sighs> but then. Or Deadpool would work. Yeah, work that's true. Deadpool yeah. or Wolverine were the two that I went to because, like, they could show after the fact, like, oh, they're healing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I just, yeah, I feel like Disney is, like, so much more protective of its characters in that way. Like, yeah, Deadpool and Wolverine make sense to rip people apart, but I don't, I feel like Disney doesn't necessarily want to see those characters ripped apart. Although I mean, we I literally it. saw Deadpool. I mean, this was before the Deadpool uh, Disney acquisition, but, like, in Deadpool 2, he gets decapitated. <laughs> Yeah, oh, I yeah. guess. Yeah, it, I think it's the thing of like to Wes's point, like not even just Disney, but even Marvel, because like if you've ever heard the stories about like you know the old like Marvel DC crossover comics they did in like the seventies, and I think the last one was in the nineties and stuff, yeah. like Avengers versus Justice League and that stuff. If you've ever heard the backstories about how much of a like pain in the ass it was to get those off the ground because both sides would like the the petty amount of like cooperation of like okay like who draws what what character who can fight who who wins oh yeah and- i thought that you were gonna like go this route because it reminds me of like the fast and the furious stuff where it was like vin rock, diesel and yeah. the rock had like their their contracts that they had to hit each other equal amounts of times yeah it's literally that but even more just like granular and ridiculous so like to keep that in mind and then to pitch to marvel for this to happen would be like hey can you give us one of your like beloved characters and we're just gonna tear them to pieces is that cool <laughs> i honestly think that deadpool or wolverine would be amazing like oh it'd be wolverine, great i mean look at yeah. wolverine's video game that that came out like 10 15 years ago where literally the most iconic scene is he lifts a man into a helicopter blade <laughs> is that a uh, origins that is that the yeah, Raven software that game yeah rules. that, that, that game's game better than the movie good Oh yeah. yeah, that's not saying much. Yeah, but, I was about to say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, fine. Are those your picks, or do you just think there's absolutely no chance we get a Marvel character in here? I mean i I would think I would like to see the Hulk, but I don't think they would do the Hulk before I Deadpool guess. or Wolverine. But just to see him like pound someone's face, like and just make it splatter with his giant fists, I think it'd be fun. Who would be if this is the theme of like it's yes, they're comic book heroes, but they're all like evil, like anti-heroes basically Mm -hmm. or basically villains that think that they're heroes. Like who is that in Marvel? Um, Thanos. He's like a straight up villain. I mean, in the movie, they kind of made him think like he had kind of like a hero complex. I guess I guess because like Peace Wakers, he's technically I mean, you know, he's I I guess more shades of gray. I mean, Omni-Man is like I I don't know if we want to spoil like those shows, but um. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I assume if they did this, they would want a hero that sort of like fits what the, like the vibe of the other three. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's a good point. Like maybe like, a what was his face? Icarus from Eternals. Oh, but then no. it's just another Superman clone. <laughs> I'm saying like, if we, I mean, Omni-Man and Homelander are kind of ass. So. Yeah. Yeah. What but about, like um, Omni-Man and Homelander are already Superman clones. It's like, so that point, that's the theme of Superman. this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> evil Superman. <laughs> maybe Blade. I feel like Blade's like kind of tips toes that line. I mean, Blade he's not like good. an, he's not a direct. I don't know. Like, I, I hung out with him a lot in Marvel's Midnight Suns and he was a pretty nice dude. We, we sure. played video games together. <laughs> <laughs> We were in a book club and everything. <laughs> and also that movie's probably never coming out, unfortunately, because oh, it just keeps getting pushed back and rewritten. Yeah. 
Oh boy. But anyway, Mortal Kombat 1 coming to Switch plus Xbox, PS5, and PC on September 19th. So I don't know who else we'll get, but I'm assuming that is the theme is like morally gray comic people. Morbius, that's who it should be. Oh, Michael, Michael Morbius. Jared Leto's back, baby. <laughs> well, they got John Claude Van Damme playing Johnny Cage. They should put Jared True. Leto as Morbius in here and just like have like Marvel would actually be okay with us cutting up that version of Morbius. Yeah. I mean, honestly, well, he, could, he could do imagine- his Joker too. Yeah. Hey, whoa, they do like putting Joker in their games. Yeah. Can we, we're just, we could just get Walking Phoenix back. That's that's cool too. If we want to, <laughs> his friendship is he does the dance from the uh, the stairs. Jock oh. Jam starts playing. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's move on. That's all the news for this episode. Marcus, you reviewed a game for us: Double Dragon Gaiden: Rise of the Dragons. So tell me about this game. Yeah, uh, Double Dragon is back once again. You know, every few years, Double Dragon comes out of the like the the closet of like sort of video game obscurity and and kind of tries its hand the last game was double dragon four wasn't super great uh this one is definitely better than that and what they did this time is that they introduced a, a tag team mechanic where uh you or one other player uh you each control uh two characters that you swap between and it's sort of like they do like a Marvel vs. Capcom style, or if you've ever played, uh, you guys remember Young Souls, that like cool beat em up that was a Stadia exclusive and yeah, then changed yeah, everything yeah. else. I never played it because it was a Stadia exclusive, um, but yeah, I mean, I always wanted to, and then it came to everything else, and I'd already moved on. <laughs> <laughs> right, because that game did the same thing, and I, I really like I reviewed that game and, and gave it a pretty good score. Uh, it's, it's sort of like that thing where you're just on the fly tagging them in and out. Uh, initially you have the four characters, you got Jimmy and Billy, and then you have, uh, Marion who's playable, who was, you know, traditionally was sort of like the damsel in distress in the old double dragon games. And then you have a new character named uncle Martin, who's sort of like the, the heavy, like grappler guy. He's got like a riot shield. Uh, Marion has a gun and just sort of uses gadgets. And, uh, they each have their own play style, you know, sort of the complement the tag team mechanic of like, you can have different builds of like, Oh, maybe I'll have a heavy, and Mateen, and then I'll, you know, I'll throw in Marion for like long range. And it's a decent idea on, on paper, but like for me, uh, Jimmy was like objectively the best character because he's kind of the most well-rounded and he's also pretty quick and agile. And also he has the best aerial attack, like uh, to the point where I didn't really like tagging in the other characters unless I had to. Um, a good like, aerial attack in like a, a side-scrolling beat-em-up is just so powerful (laughs) it it really is like uh so like i played my initial playthrough with jimmy and billy and billy's aerial attack is that he does like a downward punch sort of like slamming the ground which is like pretty much useless (laughs) against flying enemies unless you really line it up right so there were times where like because you have you know they each have their own health bars and if one gets knocked out you're stuck with the other one until you reach like a checkpoint or something mm-hmm. so like i would lose jimmy and then billy would be surrounded by these flying drone things and then i'd be like well i guess i'm gonna awkwardly jump and try to punch down and hope that i hit them or just hopefully i find a weapon i can throw or whatever it is it's just it's not gonna be fun trying to take these guys out with this guy and weirdly enough none of the other characters have like a really good jump attack except for jimmy because he's got like a good sort of like luke kang flying kick thing oh Uh, yeah that's that's i mean i remember when like turtles in time came out and you could figure out a way to kind of do like that forward jump kick and it's like man that is like the most powerful attack aside from like just the basic dive kick 
yeah, it, it's and, and like the gameplay as a whole, like it feels pretty good. Like the animation, I think, looks nice. I think the, the the presentation, like I like how colorful it is and how detailed the backgrounds are. I think the character models are OK. I don't know if I like like I'm in love with like Billy and Jimmy sort of like I don't know if I called them chibi, but like they kind of just look little like miniatures of themselves. They They look OK. But like the attacks don't feel quite as snappy as I would like in a beat em up because it sort of like the animation is so fluid that it makes the attacks have kind of a delayed feel, if that makes sense. Oh, interesting. Almost, almost in a way of like, you know, I don't think it's as bad as this, but it's the best example I can think of, of like original Prince of Persia of like, oh, it's, it's so animated that actions kind of take a while of like pulling mm-hmm. yourself up because it's kind of showing off like, look how smooth this is. It's similar to that. It's not as bad as that, but um it took a while to get used to because i'm used or maybe i just like beat em ups that like you know you get in there and you just nail attacks and it just feels super responsive and quick this game is like a step below what i would like in that regard um but like the act of like actually punching dudes in the face feels pretty satisfying because you can just chain all these combos together and you when you summon your tag partner in they can extend combos to a degree uh the way they explode into a bunch of coins feels good and you can also knock enemies into each other like one of my favorite things is just getting a good running attack and then like shoulder tackling a guy and he like blows through a crowd of enemies like a bowling ball hitting pins and you're like yeah okay (laughs) um every character has like a different special attacks uh depending on like you know you hit the special button and then whatever direction you hit with it you could do like a rising special attack or like a forward attack and one of the best things uh, about the combat is that it rewards you for killing a bunch of enemies at once because if you kill like three or more enemies they'll give you health for it so it's like oh you kill three enemies at the same time here's a hot dog that gives you 10 health and it's like oh you kill four enemies or here's a hamburger that gives you 20 health and then it builds from there of like oh five enemies you get a big old turkey that's really gonna heal you up okay and so I- the, the hierarchy is hot dog then hamburger then turkey that is what the, the hierarchy that we've established yeah like a nice thanksgiving turkey is what you get uh, which I'd, I'd rather have the hamburger if i'm being honest it seems like a it seems like there should be something in between the burger and the turkey that feels like a huge yeah. leap like hot dog hamburger are pretty close and then you go like oh now it's thanksgiving okay <laughs> <laughs> um I normally don't have to beat up people to get my Thanksgiving turkey, but then I know some oh, people do. do when it gets yeah, there. I mean, last minute shoppers fighting for the last turkey and stuff. Oh, and no, you guys it's live in dad. Florida, so. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> a place can be pretty contentious during Thanksgiving. <laughs> yes, that, that is true. Uh, but I, I like it because it encourages you to thoughtfully, uh, you know, gang people up together to uh, like unleash a special attack and also to be aggressive. Like, oh, crap, I'm about to die. I better... I'm going to have to get in there and like kill like three dudes at once so I can heal up. Uh, and also the game has a um, almost like a roguelike system where uh, every between levels, you get a randomized selection of enhancements that you can give both characters of like, oh, you know, your combos do more damage or you have more run speed or uh like one of my favorite perks is like, hey, when this character dies, uh, the tag team partner comes in with full health. Uh, I was like, okay, that's that's good. Uh, it it kind of helps mitigate the difficulty, which this game does get pretty tough. And they actually do a, what I think is a neat thing where the – so there's four like gang leaders that you're going after and you can tackle their worlds in any order. And – Whatever world that you start with first, it's actually going to be the shortest stage in the game because you play their stage 
it's like one section of it and then you fight the boss and then you move on but every subsequent stage they add a second like level in that world so you know whereas the first stage had one level now stage two has two levels and then stage three will have three levels and so by the time you get to the end of the game or like the fourth stage you'll play what is actually the full stage and i so it basically encourages you to do multiple playthroughs where you're like oh i want to see the full version of the stage that i played first you know, does that make sense uh, so, yeah, I think so. Yes, I played yeah, a demo, so, so yeah, I it's like they, yeah. yeah, it's kind of like they almost divide the stages piecemeal depending on the order, and it's it's like okay, and then also not only do the stages get longer as you go, but they get tougher. Where you'll see like a they'll do on the level select screen, they'll do like a little chart that's like here, here's the enemies, here's the bosses, here are the rewards for the stage, and then every world uh, that you go start, it's like okay, now this is harder. There's more mini bosses now because since there's more state or more levels in the stage, that means there's more sub bosses now. Uh, you're going to make more money, but also the enemies are just going to be tougher in basically every way. Uh, so again, the, I, I when I beat the game the first time, I restarted and was like, okay, I'm going to play the last stage first this time because I the last stage was a nightmare, and I kind of want to see what the easy version of this is, and then vice versa. Like I'm going to play the first stage last so I can see all that it has to offer and then also see what the other mini bosses are. And I think that's a cool like remedy for how monotonous beat em ups can be, mm-hmm. you know, it's the idea of like, Hey, the world's change. And depending on the order, you, you know, you might not see everything or you're not, you're not going to see everything. Uh, I, I think that's neat. I, I think that's a cool idea, but the game's difficulty oftentimes is cheap as hell because one of my, not even my biggest problem with the game is how enemies can just stun lock the crap out of you. <laughs> and where if they hit you once, you pretty much just freeze up and then they can just wail they on just, you with yeah. combos. And the only way to get out of that is to tag in a partner, but you can't tag in uh, all the time. Like you have a meter that fills up, so you gotta have to be smart with how you tag in, which would be fine. Like I don't mind that, you know, just trying to make tagging a strategic thing. But there's no invincibility window for the player that's coming in. So there's a lot of times where I was like, oh, God, I'm getting, like, destroyed right now. I need to tag out. And the person that comes in just flies right into that offense and gets caught immediately. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, well, I need – and then they get either, like, most of their health gone or they die. And you're like, well, can I just get, like, a second to land so I can at least react? It's like now he's just dead (laughs) before I even got control of him. And the same is true when they're leaving. We're like, oh, God, this guy's about to die. I need to tag out. And then you'll hit the tag out button. But he doesn't leave quick enough. And, again, he's not invincible. So it's like, oh, I'm tagging out. And then he'll just get hit by something and then die. And you're like, well, it's like I feel like I should – you should just give me that, (laughs) you know? Uh, It's like this is already tough. And – uh, the final stage of the game is the worst example of this. Like, it is an absolute nightmare. And not only just because of the the standard enemies are a lot harder and they all gang up in you in a way where it's so easy to get caught in that situation, but they do this almost like just unnecessary, not even boss rush, because they just take all the gang leaders and then throw them at you at one time. Like they're all there in the same arena with you and you have to fight all four of them at once. It's not even one by one? No, it's like here they all are, fight them. And keep in mind that each of them all have like wild, crazy special attacks that also stun lock you basically. And they're all super different from each other and they're just all unleashing their stuff at the same time. (laughs) And they basically just say, good luck. And Sounds then, it, and you also have to fight the final boss after that. 
Jeez. And I cannot tell you how long it took me to get past just that part. Like that part was arguably harder than the final boss, who is also pretty tough. But like, and that was where it just became just too much of like, I can't, you're like, what do you want me to do here? Basically, like this just doesn't feel fair where it's like I'm tagging out. My guy comes in and gets caught in this like super duper tornado that one of the bosses unleashes and you can't predict when who's going to attack when. So you're kind of even finding your spot of like, I think this is safe to tag out, but I can't tell because everyone's doing all this screen filling special attack crap. Uh, So you just kind of have to tag out and hope that they don't get caught in something. (laughs) Good gracious. Yeah. So like I wish that stuff was better. Uh, Like as a whole, I think the game is like fine. It's definitely I think it's the best double bat dragon game since Neon, which I mean, again, it's not saying much because there haven't been a ton and the last one was like bad. But like it's like stuff like that that kind of it feels like the game kind of gets in its own way, you know? Like, this could be more fun, like, it's enjoyable, and it'd probably be easier if you played maybe co-op, maybe. Um, But just headaches like that where it's just, like, uh, other beat-em-ups have kind of, like, solved this problem. And just the fact that the the playable characters don't all feel super fun. Like I said, Jimmy is kind of, I think, objectively the best one, where it's like, you never want that in a beat-em-up, right? Where you're like, I just want to be this one, and, like, Mm -hmm. the other ones are just, like, okay, but, like... You know, even in the new TMNT games, like I'm a Donatello guy, but I think all the characters are super fun to use. Yeah, and I mean, I guess that was my biggest question is, you know, you scored TMNT Shredder's Revenge so much higher than Double Dragon Gaiden or Gaiden. I always uh, I'm always told by people it's pronounced differently than whatever I pronounce it. So I'm going go <laughs> to oscillate uh, Double Dragon Gaiden Rise of the Dragons. Uh, what what sets TMNT Shredder's Revenge apart from this game, aside from that, like just insane difficulty uh well like i just said i think all the characters are super fun to use i think the combat system is just better like it Mm -hmm. feels faster it feels snappier i like the strategy that uh, like like i like speed and and beat-em-ups because again it's it's monotonous and you're kind of you know you're going around punching people so at least like i don't want to feel like i'm rushing to it but you kind of want to feel like you can get in there and just really go to town on people and this game has a slower pace like a uh, vertical movement in double dragon is really slow like moving left to right not as bad but moving up and down is so slow and it becomes a big problem in stages that have stage hazards where you, you just don't feel like you're fast enough for what the game is asking of you we're like oh these boulders are falling faster than i can move so i'm kind of like i'm doing my best but you're also fighting dudes at the same time so you're like you'll get hit and you're like well i just don't feel like i was fast enough to dodge that in a reasonable amount of time yeah uh it, it doesn't feel as balanced and also uh, tmnt i mean i think better soundtrack better presentation uh the six player thing helps a lot because you know you can only play up to two players in this one and also it's only local for now like online play is supposed to come in like a post launch update uh so if you want to play this with friends you're gonna have to like friends abroad or whatever you're gonna have to wait a bit uh and just I think it just is a better beat em up, you know? Yeah. So it's out now that let's yeah. just say that it's out now on switch and every other platform. You give it a 7.25 out of 10. What is the hierarchy here? If somebody wants like 2d side scrolling beat em up, is it TMNT then streets of rage Four, then double dragon Gaiden, or is it a, a different order? I mean, if we're going like, I'm not going to go through like the entire history of beat em ups. Yeah, but like but recent, like, recent like side scrolling beat em up revivals. I would say I would throw in TMNT, like Shredder's Revenge. I would throw in Young Souls. I would throw Streets of Rage 4. 
I would throw in Scott Pilgrim because they got that remaster like mm. two years ago. That's true. I, I, I think that still holds up really well. I mean, even Cra- Castle Crashers got that remaster a few years ago, too. So I think that's still I, I think all of those are still better than Double Dragon and Double Dragon. I don't think it's a bad game. Like a seven is just kind of like it's fine. You know what I mean? Like it's it's solid. But like beat em ups again, it's it's such a polarizing genre because they can be so stagnant. Like it's it's very hard to make a beat em up that feels compelling, like throughout the long run and also mixes things up enough to where it's not just the thing you've done over and over again. And I and I think Double Dragon attempts that with the tag team stuff. It just like the difficulty sort of like gets in its own way of like making that maybe as fun as it could be. But yeah, I'd say all of those games I just listed, I would recommend over this one, like pretty confidently. Well, you know what game is not prohibitively difficult? That is our next game that is being reviewed on this episode. That is Disney Illusion Island. Wesley, you have played this game from start to finish. You've covered it for us pre-launch, and I'm really excited to hear your final verdict on Disney Illusion Island. So yes. let's let's yeah. hear it. Disney Illusion Island is the it's a new platformer from Dalala Studios, who is a studio you might recognize as the team behind um, Xbox's I think 2020 Battletoads revival, mm-hmm. um, which is another game I quite enjoyed. Um, oh, because when I heard that, like, honestly, like this got revealed on, was it the Disney, uh, like sh- future of gaming like stream D23? or something like that? Yeah, it was like yes. a D23 gaming It was either stream. there or it might've been a Nintendo Direct because it is a Nintendo Switch exclusive mm-hmm. and they had those two events side by like next to each other. But regardless, yeah, it was, um, yeah. It anyway, was you were revealed saying. last summer, I think. And yes. I remember yeah. thinking like, oh, this looks really great. Like, I love the art style. Like, the animation is really good looking. And then I saw it was developed by this team. And I was not a fan of that Battletoads game at all. And mm, I was like, oh, okay. no. So <laughs> let, let, convince me otherwise. Tell me why this game is fun. Well, the so it is a what's interesting about it is it's a Metroidvania platformer. Um, which is to say there's a large map, it's all interconnected, and you will not be able to access certain things until you have certain abilities. So lots of returning to former areas to find collectibles and progress the story and whatnot. Um, But it's also a very, very awesome platformer. Uh, Uniquely, it has no combat in the game. So every enemy you see, your your goal is to to dodge them or get away from them, basically, jump over them. Um, And so as a result... At first, it, it does. It's, it's a pretty simple game overall, and that lack of combat is very apparent when you start, because like combat is so you know that's a big part of this type of game. But once you kind of get used to what it's doing without combat, you can almost like play this game in a very like speedrun esque fashion. Like you could theoretically start from one point of the map and cover the entire map without stopping once at the end when you have all the abilities mm-hmm. and the game caters to that really well. So it feels a little floaty and it's kind of slow at first, but then once you start to get all these different abilities, like double jumping and long jumping and wall jumping, and um, there's like wind tunnels that you can ride up and all, all kinds of stuff to uh, add to your tool set. Uh, it gets really quick because you're just bouncing off walls, jumping over this enemy. You're kind of doing it uh, without, even realizing it necessarily like it becomes second nature and you're just like really zooming through this world. Um, and it's really fun. It's a game. I, I, I hope the games done quick does because I think it will be really well, uh, or perform really well there to watch. Um, but that's not what I played this game for. Uh, it is, 
a love letter to Disney and especially the four mascots that you can play as Donald, Mickey, Goofy, and Minnie. Um, and this team has a lot of love for Disney and they did their research and it's apparent in pretty much every aspect of this game. And as someone who likes Disney, especially like Disney history as it relates to like pop culture and stuff, I was really, really, really enjoying everything I did in this game. There are collectibles. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. You called them the fab four in in your review. And I had to look that up because for me, the fab four is the Beatles, the Beatles. Uh And I was like, is that like a terminology? Cause you said it multiple times in your review. And I was like, is that something that like is known? And like I had like even when I Googled Fab Four, it's, it took me to the Beatles, and yeah. I just put like Fab Four Disney, and then it was like, yeah, this is Disney speak for the four main characters in the Disney universe, which you know Mickey, Minnie, Donald, and Goofy, which are the four characters in here. So it made sense, and I didn't like correct you, like, oh, you're talking about the Beatles. Um, but yeah, that, that was something that I was like, is that a, a term? And I even asked like a friend of mine who was very into Disney, and she didn't even know that term. She's like, yeah, it makes sense, but like I've never heard that. Yeah, who had it first? <laughs> that's right i mean right it, maybe though maybe not beatles were i mean disney I mean, might have had older it beatles, yeah obviously <laughs> much older but yeah, yeah but like at the same time did, did we like have nicknames for like a, a stable of characters like i feel like disney didn't really expand its character roster until maybe after the beatles i don't know they also have the fab five what is that pluto yeah. thrown in there it's sometimes it's pluto sometimes it is daisy which well, is confusing. um donald's uh i don't know if they're married or what but it she's depends. associated it's with complicated okay yes yeah it's complicated <laughs> um but yeah it's those four characters which I, I go i used to go to the disney parks a lot like because i'm two hours away from disney world yeah and yeah fab four is like you'll hear that often there and that's like I know on their little brochures, come watch the Fab Four on stage, all that kind of stuff. Huh, um, okay. And I do like this. Disney more than the Beatles. So, wow, they, 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 those, these take. are my Fab Four characters. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, like, not my Fab Four. So, yeah. is Mickey the McCartney? Uh, Donald's the? I think Donald's kind of like a Harrison. Or actually, he'd probably be the Lennon. He like because him and Mickey get at, like they yeah. go at each other's throats a lot. So he'd, he'd be the Lennon. And Goofy is probably. Uh, Ringo, Ringo Star, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or um, no, Ringo is the Goofy of the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Pete Best was was Pluto. That was his original nickname, but it was copyrighted. So I, was like, I guess I'll call myself yeah. Ringo instead. <laughs> but um, yeah. The so like the main draw for this game is Disney. If you don't like Disney or particularly care to like hear these characters talk and interact in new ways, I don't necessarily know if that this is a game to like check out. It's a very good platformer. It's a competent Metroidvania. Like it's fun, but it is made with Disney fans in mind first, or at least people who like Disney. You know, kids or Disney adults and all that. Um, and I do, I do like Disney a lot. So the little collectibles, like hidden Mickey's, where you find and you take a picture with a little hidden Mickey logo, which is something that's very popular to do in the theme parks. There's Mickey memorabilia, which uh, you collect, and it's like oh, these are Mickey's shorts from this 1930 Mickey Mouse short, and it's done in Delala's visual style. Um, and you get like a little little snippet of information about the short. Um, all that kind of stuff makes it very clear that Delala like does their research, did their research with this game and Disney history. And it kind of just echoes throughout the entire package, which is probably my favorite thing about it. Uh, on the platformer side, I think it's great. It's It's, like I mentioned, it's slower and it's a bit floatier, but it's, once it's like, 
gets going, it's so focused on moving and not stopping that movement that it's hard to not have a good time, even if it is simple. It's still fun. And I think that is my big takeaway from this game. I mean, it sounds it, like it feels good. Like the the act of platforming feels really good. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Because that was my biggest concern. I mean, obviously with any platformer, but especially one where it's like there's no combat. So you're like, okay, it kind of almost has to be like double good since that's yeah. that's pretty much all it is. It's great. And, it, and all four characters, you can play up to four people if you want. Um, they all play the same. They have the same moves and stuff, but each has been animated differently. So Goofy's like taller and he lumbers around the map, whereas Mickey kind of moves like classic Mickey Mouse. And they all have different unique animations that go with their different moves. So like your double jump with Mickey he uses like a little uh, firecracker rocket thing to like propel himself forward. Whereas Goofy uses a spicy pepper that projects himself forward. I don't know what the science is behind the pepper that makes him, I don't know if he's ingesting the pepper <laughs> and then <laughs> launching forward with that. Um, but yeah, there's just like a lot of love put into everything feeling like a Disney product. Like it's not made by Disney. This is a Delala studios game, but like you can, re- it feels like an official Disney made um, product. And that's, you know, beyond the platforming and beyond the characters, there's cinematics in the game and the cinematics might as well be full on Mickey Mouse shorts. Some of them are like seven to eight minutes long and they have all the humor and the fun punchlines of those shorts, which if you haven't watched any of the Mickey Mouse shorts from the past like decade when they rebooted in 2013, uh, I would recommend at least checking a few of them out, even if you're not a fan of of Disney because they're legitimately great and they're like five minutes long and pretty hilarious at times. And doesn't one um, pay homage to, to Super Mario? Yes, they're actually just weirdly enough. I was um, uh, on a little mini vacation this past weekend with my family. We were at like a beach house and I was playing this game and we were watching a Mickey Mouse short because my nephew likes them. And that one came on. He gets lost in Tokyo and there's like a scene where the uh, it goes from like his view to like a 2D side scrolling view. And he's basically Mario. And they even have the exact, maybe not the exact same, but I basically could not tell a difference. It was like the exact same sounds as Mario for like so, collecting coins and jumping on enemies. Very the cool. The reason I know that is because Shigeru Miyamoto is a huge fan of Disney. He's also a Disney adult from what I understand. Oh, and nice. So, you know, he he has a lot of love for that. And we actually showed that to him for the first time that Disney had paid tribute to Mario. And he loved that. We, it was at That's so cool. E3 2016, I think, that we... Um, we were it was 2017, maybe I don't know. It was 2016 or 2017 that we we were able to show him that, and he was he got a real big kick out of it. Yeah. And then when the interview ended, he went behind the curtain and got his lawyers on the phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the ultimate battle of the most litigious companies ever: Disney versus Nintendo. <laughs> and then he opened a Universal theme park. <laughs> That's why he went to Universal to spite yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like. Uh, uh, one other aspect of this game I want to mention is the music. The uh, Disney music is, you know, really awesome, whether it be like soundtracks performed by like actors and actresses and stuff, or even just like the orchestral music. Like that's a big part of the reason why I like Disney stuff. And the composer, David Housden, it's this score is like one of my favorite scores of this year, which is saying a lot because Final Fantasy 16 exists. It's so good. It feels like walking around a Disney theme park in the best way. And, um, yeah, it, it's like it's very loud in the game. Like they, they push the music to the front of the audio experience, I guess you could say. And it's it's such a good call because you were just you'll be humming these tunes in no time. It's awesome. Yeah, it, 
it's it runs pretty good i assume right like on switch oh yeah yeah it's i've had zero visual or technical issues okay the the one thing that's always it's it's kind of like baffled me a little bit is that it it's only on switch and for a game that like you know the switch is like not some potato or anything but for like a, a game that is so steeped in like animation from a company that is obviously an animation based company it's almost weird that it's not anywhere else where it could run it like at 60 at like 4k just to really show off like the fluidity of the animation and just how vibrant it is you know what i mean yeah uh, i yeah i i'm not saying i that's what i was wondering but uh yeah that's still just interesting to me that this is only on switch like not even pc like, I, I, I asked, you get the sense that it's going to be a uh like a, a later on like the exclusivity will fade I don't know. I went so during Summer Game Fest this year, I went to one of Disney's campuses to interview these devs and play their game and all that kind of stuff. And I did ask them about that, and they, I basically got like a no answer type thing. Like it was, it was just not something that they could discuss. And obviously, you know, it's not necessarily up to them. That's probably something Disney has a say on. Um, so I, I have no idea if this is going to come to other platforms. I don't think it will, to be honest. Um, it's like very attached to Nintendo. Like I, we said at the top of the podcast, I think Nintendo announced this during a direct. And if yeah. not during a direct, then Marvel announced it during that, or then Disney announced it during that game showcase. And then yeah. Nintendo showcased it shortly after in a direct. And I mean, Nintendo has been pushing this on their official accounts. Like it's very Nintendo focused. And so it could come to other platforms, but that's, Mark, I, don't, I don't get that sense. Mark my, the, the time right now, it is July 28th, 2023. I'm saying one year from today, which is one year after the game releases, we are going to either have a multi-platform release of this or one will be announced. Yeah. Okay. It's also, it's July 27th, by the way. Well, not when people are listening to this, Marcus. It's oh, okay. Wow. Oh, I thought you just, meant, oh, okay. Gotcha. You just ruined the magic. That's <laughs> called Disney magic is mind. gone. <laughs> Sorry, I'm the guy that goes to Disney and tells you how everything works. He <laughs> 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 kills the magic for all the kids. <laughs> like, that's actually a dude inside of that suit. That's not... It's not Mickey. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. And if they throw up, they're not allowed to leave the suit. They have to get it backstage. Yeah. Wait, I mean, maybe honestly, Brian and whoever else was in that interview with Miyamoto, maybe you guys are the reason this is only on Switch because he was so enamored with that short that he just kind of got possessive. True. He's like, we, we yeah. need, Mickey is ours. He cannot go anywhere else. And I mean, hey, the Epic Mickey games were also only on Wii, right? Uh, well, the first one was. Okay. Yeah. The first one was. But that. Yeah, that was the one that everybody remembered, right? <laughs> I mean, true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Disney Illusion Island. I was a little caught up on the lack of combat. Does that really feel like you're held back by not able to not being able to like fight these uh, enemies? No, I don't think so because the enemies aren't necessarily like aggressive or combative. They're just like creatures that exist in this world. So like you don't really have a sense that like they're not out to get you. You're just kind of they're in your way. So you got to jump over them and get around them. And sometimes they shoot projectiles and stuff. Um, but there's there's boss fights. There's a few boss fights scattered throughout the game. And that's where you kind of do get uh, some gameplay mechanics where it does feel like you're in combat, even though you're not. Mm-hmm. So, for example, in the first boss fight, you're in this like arena and there's like switches all over the arena that you need to like platform up and jump on. And when you jump on those after doing it enough, her the boss's shield breaks and then like an anvil or something like that drops on their head and damages them. So you're not like directly attacking them, but your moves are leading to attacks. It's kind of like how Batman doesn't kill people, but 
his you know the things he does he just gives does eventually kill them yes the yeah lives <laughs> like oh i didn't kill them it was the tnt that i threw on them that killed yeah. them i love that um, scene where mickey's like i don't have to kill you but i don't have to save you either <laughs> <laughs> it's a fa- my, one of my favorite mickey scenes yeah it's infamous um so like you do get a feel of that combat in the game but i mean i do want to stress there is no combat like you, you're not going to be pressing A to punch or anything like that. So if you feel like that's necessary to your Metroidvania enjoyment, um, then you won't find that here in Illusion Island. All right. Well, you gave it an 8.5. It seems like your main criticism was like, at times it's a little too easy. But like, yeah, other than that, you seem like you loved it. Yeah, it's. A, I mean, it's it's a children's game, first and foremost. I mean, it's Disney. It's on Switch. It's a, They have a ton of uh, awesome accessibility options to make it even more playable with children. Um but like still, it's, you know, millions of people love Disney, including myself, who has played Metroidvanias and platformers all their life. So like I'm, I am a little disappointed with how simple the adventure is. And I would have liked something in there to kind of get me sweating. But for the most part, it's like a brisk and easy, no stress experience. All right. Well, that sounds like one that I definitely want to check out, even though I think I would probably miss the combat. But hey, you're telling me the platforming is great and I love me a good platformer which is why I chose to review this next game that we're talking about. That is Mr. Run and Jump. And Wes, you've played a little bit of this, but basically this started out as an Atari 2600 game. And not not even a game, a homebrew creation by this developer. And Atari caught wind of it. And instead of shutting it down and be like, hey, don't don't be making homebrew games for our old system, our 40-year-old system. (laughs) They said what if you came and made this game for us and made a modern version of it? So the game actually starts out, it looks and plays like an Atari 2600 game. Like there's very like rudimentary graphics and controls that like you would see on an Atari back in the day. And then the character gets sucked into this void and it's still very simplistic graphics and and controls and everything, but his moveset expands and like, there's kind of like a neon glow to a lot of things. The visuals, take a, a noticeable step up, but still being like a very like simple look to it. But uh, this is just a very solid, sometimes quite difficult 2D platformer. And um, there's, again, no real combat, but you are just basically going through these really high skill based obstacle courses. And each world um, has these different themes. So like one's like a jungle. So like there are actually like predators that like if you go near these this set of spikes like a a a monster will kind of jump out and try to grab you instead of like that's like kind of lying in wait and there's other ones where it's like all right these are just like mosquitoes that are like going really really fast and your one hit kills you and then you immediately start back at the, the beginning of the room that you're in it's kind of like celeste in that way where it's like there's individual rooms you have to complete but it's kind of like super meat boy in that like this is extremely difficult you have the instant restart and like you have to just basically execute perfectly in order to get to the next room. And then at each room, you get kind of like a checkpoint. And, you know, some of these sequences are just maddeningly difficult. And, you know, you have a pretty basic moveset. You can jump, double jump, high jump, long jump. Um, you can do kind of like this lunge in the air. You can wall jump. But like outside of that, like that's pretty much it. And the, the feeling that you get after you complete one of these tasks, when you finally like learn, like some of them, I was taking like 20, 25 attempts to get through, but like the feeling of 
completing it just made it all worth it. It's I feel like it's that's kind of like the the way that like Dark Souls and Bloodborne players are like who are like love the from software games are always like yeah it's really frustrating at the moment but when you finally take down that boss it's so rewarding that's how this felt for me i'm not a big fan of the 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 from software titles because i just don't have the patience for that this is more up my alley because i really cut my teeth on platforming and i think that's what the difference is right like i i really grew up with this style of gameplay so i have a little bit more patience because i know i'll eventually get it whereas like (laughs) i just i don't know like the the dark souls style of gameplay it really has to hook me in order for me to stick with that but this i mean this has some comparisons there and that a lot of it is trial and error a lot of it is like just maddeningly difficult and uh you know there's some really really fun sequences like once you get like kind of like so good at a particular room that it feels like you're speed running it that's when it really starts clicking because like you're like oh my god like i you know i long jumped to this platform then i high jumped up and i I avoided this obstacle i slid underneath because you can also uh kind of turn into like a metroid style ball and like roll that way and like once you start really firing on all cylinders you kind of feel like you go onto autopilot and that's when it really starts clicking of like just moving fluidly from one movement to the next and landing on a platform, knowing exactly what you needed to do. Cause you've died on that platform like six times and then making it to the next room just always feels so rewarding. So Wes, I, I know you haven't played as much as I have of this, but are you kind of in the same, uh, same perspective that I'm at with this? Yeah, it's, um, a lot of fun and it's very, very challenging. Um, I wanted to ask you about the checkpointing cause that's my biggest annoyance with it so far is mm-hmm. I like, like in Celeste, I love the checkpointing. You die and you basically respond like almost exactly right where you died. Um, or like right before it. Whereas in this, you're brought back to the opening or the start of a room. Yeah. And like you mentioned, some of those rooms get to be, um, pretty long. I'm like a, a few hours in and some of them, you know, it's like, 20 seconds of platforming which is a lot in a platformer for a single room and when you die for example at the end and that's where like your hang-up is and then you have to go redo this i feel like i'm killing a lot of time doing this challenge i've done over and over and over just to hopefully this time get over that last hump um and i find myself getting a touch annoyed with that um so i was curious like how you felt about the checkpointing compared to something like celeste where it's a little more instant in that exact spot I don't mind it overall. And the reason for that is because it does encourage you to kind of start developing the fluid movements between like, you're like, all right, I made it through these first like four platforms or obstacles in this room. I can do that with my eyes closed at this point. And then the final execution of finally making it through to that end point just feels so good when you do it all in one, one take, basically. That is why I like it overall. However, there are some exceptions. There are some that like this just this room goes on way too long yeah and that's when that becomes a little bit of a frustration but i've noticed that a lot of those larger rooms do have kind of like the side rooms that you can go in because there are side rooms that you can go in that have like optional challenge rooms and those are for like the collectibles that unlock the the final world stages and if you go into that even if you don't want to complete it and you come out that puts your checkpoint at that it's wherever you entered the room last is your Mm -hmm. checkpoint so that's kind of a way to cheese that a little bit if you want. So I didn't mind it overall, but like there were a couple of rooms. Like there's one I, I can think of, I think it's in the fifth world where it's like you're just going up and it just feels like this goes forever. And I've made it all the way to the end and I had to like 
start over because I got hit by the very last obstacle and it, I was ready to throw my controller through the wall, but it, you know, I overall not a problem, but there were some exceptions to that rule. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's like my only real hang up. Again, I'm only a few hours in, but I'm really enjoying everything else about it. It feels good. It's really, really snappy and fast. Um, sometimes the world is like almost like too in your face, uh, or bright, I guess you could say yeah. like, it's, it's very, very neon and like my eyes hurt after a while. So I've not been playing it in long stretches. There are ways you can turn that down. I think that in there's, oh. um, cause there are accessibility options, both from the perspective of accessibility, like through like sensitivity of your eyes and everything. I think you can turn the blossom down on the, the light but also accessibility in terms of um, difficulty because there's also yes. power-ups that you can enable that make it so that like, all right, if you've really been struggling, say you die, I think, I don't know if, what the, the set number is, but like, for example, if you die 10 times in a room, an optional power-up will pop up. And if you hit it, like you're invincible for like the next 25 seconds or something like that. So that'll give you a chance to really like kind of bulldoze through most, if not all of the room, if you just want to move on to the next thing. Yeah, um, but you can't get the collectibles if you turn on or if correct. you use that power up. Yeah, yeah. So that that is good in that regard. And then the the final thing I wanted to talk about with this is the instead of boss fights, because again, there's no combat in this. There are void levels, and basically, this is just like instead of having like the time to kind of sit and contemplate how you want to make your moves, this is like almost like an auto scroll level in that there is a a wall of death basically following you. And dictating how fast you have to go through this, because if it catches up to you, you die and you have to start the room over again. So it's essentially Mr. Run and Jump's take on auto-scrollers, and um, that's kind of the final challenge of every world. So yeah, it's a uh, it's a very solid platformer. When I saw it, I was like, oh, this looks up my alley. I hope it controls well, because that would make or break this game. And thankfully, it controls extremely well. Like There are some times, because like certain buttons do the same thing as other things and it's like i would accidentally do something instead of the thing i meant to do and that wasn't great but it was always my own fault it's just like oh my brain got confused in the moment and i i did this instead of that so that's really you know i gave it an eight out of ten it's not like game of the year contender but it's a very solid game and i would recommend it to people who like 2d platformers and uh it all three of the games that we talked about and it uh Double Dragon Gaiden, Disney Illusion Island, and Mr. Run and Jump are available right now on Switch, and you can read reviews for all three of those at GameInformer.com. But uh, Wes, Marcus, thank you so much for joining me for this first segment of All Things Nintendo this week. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Marcus, go ahead and tell people where they can find you on social media. Uh, I am on Twitter and uh, Blue Sky at MarcusStewart7. And what about you, Wes? I am on Twitter at LeBlancWes and on Blue Sky, I think I'm just Wesley LeBlanc. And then I'm also on Threads. I don't even know my Threads username, but I don't haven't been using it. So maybe don't even bother. Um, <laughs> and you can find my words on GameInformer.com and you can hear my voice sometimes on Game Informer's YouTube channel with new gameplay today. We are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to be joined by Alex Van Aken. And we're going to talk all about everything we learned from our cover story of Sonic Superstars. We will be right back. Earlier this week, we revealed that Game Informer's newest cover story is Sonic Superstars. This latest entry in the long-running Sonic the Hedgehog series brings it back to 2D for the first time since 2017 Sonic Mania. And I have more time with it than 
probably anybody outside of Sega. You know who else is in that club? Alex Van Aken. Alex, how are you doing today? Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me on. I'm glad you were able to make it. I, so I guess first and foremost, I played about half of the game of Sonic Superstars mm -hmm. back in June. It was right. It was on the same trip as Summer Game Fest. I actually yes. played it way back then. And then we went back earlier this month. And we both got to play for like I played for about three hours the first time. And then this time it was um, another two hours with us kind of passing the controller back and forth. We were not yeah. able to do co-op. That was something that was kind of explicitly not allowed for us. So, you know, obviously we're not going to be like, hey, well, we're grabbing a second controller anyway. So we, we don't have any uh, co-op impressions, unfortunately. But we do have our hands-on impressions of how this game plays I've given some kind of base level gameplay impressions back on the summer sure. episode, but let, uh, how did you, you're not the biggest Sonic fan, but you still got about an hour or so of hands-on time with this game. How does it feel? Uh, it feels like Sonic. Um, so if I think, uh, and what I mean by that is it, it feels reliable and consistent um, whether or not, you um that style is for you is personal taste um but very much it's, it was very smooth um i didn't run into any technical hiccups um you know a a mixture of fun go fast areas mm -hmm. and then a few you know more challenging platforming areas uh some of the platforming stuff was like pretty simple but there were a couple specifically with the, the vines there's some <laughs> vine areas uh, that you have to go upwards and uh that can be if you haven't played sonic in a while it takes some getting used to um but well, yeah even, even having played sonic recently like that was a, a pretty challenging section for me as well and i even said i even said that as you were coming up because you were like breezing through and you were just like oh this is easy and then i was like well here's the part that gave me some trouble and you're like watch i'm gonna do it in one shot and then you were <laughs> not doing it in one shot, very no, much not in one shot. But yeah, it was a challenging part. But those were so we played through the same two levels that I already talked about on mm. an episode back in June. That was yeah. Bridge, Bridge Island Zone and Speed Jungle Zone. Yeah. We also got a look at four additional levels. Um, Sky yeah, Temple did. Zone, Pinball Carnival Zone, Lagoon City Zone and Sand Sanctuary Zone. We don't need to go through all of these necessarily. I mean, some of them are pretty self-explanatory, like Pinball Carnival Zone. Um, there's also yeah, we also have a um, we have a YouTube video going up of us, and you also have something on the website detailing every zone. Yes. Uh, so yeah, what, what what did you think? What was your favorite zone out of those? Uh, certainly, um, I would say Lagoon City mm -hmm. uh, was my favorite. Um, it is a uh, you know, on the on the uh, above water sections, um, it's a very fun water slide zone. A lot of water slides, and and you know you have to time your jumps right so you don't get caught in the uh, kind of the, the downstream wake of the of the, of the water. Um, then of course there is an underwater section where you have to manage your breath, um, and you know if, if you start to drown the classic sonic drowning music comes in uh but it that, that area is for sure yeah that area is all about uh kind of using bubbles uh to navigate past um i'm not sure what their official name is but it's like the spike fish um mm. 
the purple spike fish. And like, yeah, you're actually in the bubbles. It's not like just like yeah. using the air bubbles. There are some air bubbles that will allow you to keep platforming underwater without the, the dreaded drowning music coming on. But yeah, there are a lot of sequences where you're actually enveloped in a bubble and you have to navigate kind of like a spiky optical course. Yeah. Was this the, uh, the area, Brian, uh, that had the mini game where you're bouncing around? Uh, and getting rid of the blocks or is no, that, that is uh, sky temple air. zone sky temple okay yeah so sky temple zone is probably i mean lagoon city is probably my favorite but sky temple is a close second of the four mm-hmm. that are exclusive to us and that one is you know up in the air it's it kind of takes um some inspiration from uh, sky sanctuary which was a sonic and knuckles level and yeah. also maybe a little bit of windy valley which was a sonic adventure level and it kind of puts them all into one. And there's some really fun mechanics, one of which being the breakout style minigame, you know, like break out the old arcade game where like you're you have like the paddle and you're shooting the ball back and forth and breaking blocks. That's basically what that is, where you're, you're yeah. using your character as a ball and shooting them into the bricks to get through and like get special um, like power ups and rings and everything. Or you can just go through like main line and just get through the area. So. I've noticed that a lot of the stages have fun little gimmicks and, um, you know, obviously pinball carnival. You can probably guess what the gimmick is on that level, but there is a um, in, in pinball carnival. There's also a fun like second act part that it allows you to kind of hop on these moving platforms, almost like a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. And then you have to like avoid enemies. But also there's like arrows that tell you, hey, you should jump like right now, because then when you do jump, it allows you to go into like these like spheres that uh, like shoot you upward or rings that shoot you upward. And that like will allow you to get to the next platforms. If you miss those jumps, you actually are the, the roller coaster thing's going to crash and you're not going to make it. Um, But sky temple was fun because at the end of the act, first of all, it's the only one that's just one act. All the other ones are two and sometimes three. There's like a bonus character specific act. Like there's act tonic for speed jungle and then lagoon city there's act amy and those serve as kind of like storytelling uh acts like the uh speed jungles act sonic there's like knack or not not knack knack was what his name was in the american release of sonic triple trouble now he's known as fang the hunter he basically is chasing sonic the entire time and like trying to attack him and everything while you're going through the level and then in lagoon city's act amy you meet trip who is the new character designed by takashi azuka and naoto oshima and they um you have to carry her through like the lat the latter part of that level so it's kind of like some character moments and storytelling even though they're still sticking to kind of like the the um the classic convention of like no voice acting it's all kind of like you know just like you see the characters on screen, you can kind of like ascertain what they're doing based on like their movements and everything. And like what, what the story is, as you know, and the, the opening cutscene, for example, is like, you know, Eggman is giving Fang like some money and then an alarm goes off and you see Sonic and Tails flying in on the tornado. And it's like, okay, yeah, we, we, we get the story. There's no voice acting necessary. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I guess we might as well just talk about sand sanctuary. Cause that's the only one that doesn't have, um, any that we haven't talked about yet and that's basically just like the typical desert level that we've come to know from from the sonic games all of these have really fun boss battles like sky temple i noticed is interesting because it's a nine minute act one but that is the only act of that of that zone the other ones all like i said have two or sometimes even three if you count the optional zones 
but that's the only one that only has one act. The other ones have comprised of two or three acts. And each act one has kind of like a robot boss and each act two has an Eggman boss. So it's kind of like Sonic three and Sonic and Knuckles in that regard. But um, Sand Sanctuary's boss is kind of fun because like Eggman throws like like enemies your way and then they you can hit them back. Yeah, you can like kind of volleyball them back at him and do like free hits or you can wait for him to come over. And like it's like you're on platforms in like quicksand. So you have mm-hmm. to kind of avoid his attack because if he destroys the platform you're on, you're falling into quicksand and, and uh, you're in trouble then. But, you know, you, if you can either volleyball the the enemies back at him or wait for him to destroy the platforms you're not on and then attack him when he's over there, then, you know, it, it's a fun little uh, kind of back and forth that you do there. And then, you know, Lagoon City is a fun one because that's the one where it's like you're kind of underwater and you're trying to get up to the platforms and it, it's like, Eggman is like shooting enemies at you, but also like, you know, the platforming is different because you're underwater. And then Sky Temple is where I think maybe my favorite boss where like you're kind of like there's a storm that comes at the end of the, the act. And oh, it, yeah, and everything's kind of like floating in this like storm, almost like Windy Valley and Sonic Adventure when the tornado comes. And so you're like up and like kind of jumping up the you have to platform up to get to Eggman and do damage. And then he destroys the platforms and you're back down at the bottom. You have to platform back up. That's a very fun boss battle. And then I like the mosquito boss battle in speed jungle where like, it's just a mosquito robot and it shoots like a harpoon in the ground. And you, you can uh, jump up it. Yeah. You run like, up the harpoon. Yeah. that, that yeah. That's a really fun boss battle. So there's a lot of really great boss battles. Like I think that was one that stuck out to me. As like, oh, this element is really fun. Like the level design is great, by the way, and it, it, it's a uh, testament to the fact that I think Takashi Azuka, having worked on the Sonic franchise for more than thirty years now, and also the return of Naoto Oshima, who you know is the co-creator of Sonic. He is the original designer of the Sonic the Hedgehog and Doctor Eggman characters, and you know he worked with he worked on all of like the classic Sonic games, and his he left Sega in nineteen ninety nine after Sonic Adventure. So, you know, he has a lot of really great experience working on some of the best Sonic games. So it's great to have him back. And I think that the way that this game plays, the physics are great. The The level design is awesome. It's the, the multi like branching pathways that Sonic fans know and love. And also it's the boss battles are so inventive. That is kind of indicative of the fact that you have this guy who's been with Sonic since Sonic 3 in Takashi Azuka, And then this guy who has had been with Sonic since the very beginning, all the way up to Sonic Adventure um, in Naruto Oshima, you have kind of this perfect storm of like, it seems like this game feels like a classic Sonic game and plays like a classic Sonic game, but looks like a modern 2D platformer. And I love that about it. Now, obviously, Oshima-san was uh, crucial in, in helping to design a new character for this game. Uh, was that his sole role or is he more involved? No, he basically uh, oversaw all the development. That was my initial impression was like, oh, okay, he just came back to design this new character. No, the company that he is the president of, Arzest, is actually the Mm -hmm. lead developer. Sonic Team is a support developer on this game. Yeah, that's cool. So so yeah, Oshima, basically I asked him like, hey, like how does, how was working with Takashi Azuka? And he's like, yeah, this guy has a lot of ideas. Like I consider myself an ideas person, but Azuka-san even impresses me is like kind of how he framed it and then he was also like you know 
in past games when I've been a producer, I've had to like do like negotiations with marketing teams and like all this other stuff. But Izuka-san handled that and I was able to really just focus on the development of the game. So, and like every time we asked Takashi Izuka, he was like, yeah, Oshima-san and his team really like designed the physics from the ground up. They did the engine. They did like a lot of the level design. Like we were there to support them in any way they needed. And, you know, we we helped with like character design. We helped with levels and boss boss ideas and everything. Like, because mm-hmm. Takashi Azuka also was the one that did a lot of the bosses for Sonic 3 and Knuckles. So he really wanted to get involved because he loves, he, he wanted to kind of draw inspiration from like that style of boss battle for Sonic Superstars. Yeah. So he, he was involved a lot. Um, it sounds like, you know, they're both producers on the title, I believe. It just sounds like uh, Naoto Oshima was more in like kind of the hands-on development side, whereas Takashi Azuka was more of like overseeing like kind of the administrative side of it, like making sure, sure that like, you know, approvals are going through and marketing teams are getting what they need to to offic- like to actually market this title. So it, it's it's kind of like they're working in collaboration. They both designed the character in tandem, the, the character Trip, who is one of the enemies alongside Eggman and Fang. And um, yeah, like it, it the game plays really well. And I'm also, before we wrap up on this segment, I want to talk about the Emerald Powers, which oh, is yeah. the other exclusive uh, piece of information that we got. And oh, by the way, seven, there seven Emerald Powers. But um, the, there are two more zones that we know about. Um, there's Press Factory Zone and Golden Capital Zone. We did not get to play either of those, but we do have exclusive screenshots of those zones. You can go to GameInformer.com right now and see those screenshots for yourself. Yeah, Golden Capital Zone is uh, is where games media executives come from. And then uh, <laughs> Press Factory Zone is where where the rest of us go. Hell yeah. I mean, because, you know, the, the members of the games media are just rolling in the dough, let me tell you. Yes, yes. Um, Emerald Powers. So in the past, Sonic games have always had this thing where it's like, all right, collect all seven Chaos Emeralds and you can become supersonic. And it's like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. That's a great, a great reward for a pretty difficult task in most games. This time they wanted to incentivize you to get every single one, which I love that idea because it's almost like, I think on the Game Informer show, maybe it was Marcus who drew it this way, where he's like, oh, it's like an Infinity Stone now. Like, you know, you get yeah. each one and you can choose which power to use based on how many stones you have. But then when you get all of them, like, yeah, then you can do whatever you want, basically. And that's how this then works. Then you can snap. Yeah, then you can snap and basically just vaporize Eggman. Um, I mean, I guess essentially you can do that if you become supersonic because you can just like stand right in the middle of him and do damage to him constantly. Um, but yeah, so there's seven emerald powers and they're all tied to specific chaos emeralds that you collect. So avatar is one where it's like you activate that. And the way it works, by the way, is you select with the right stick, which emerald power you want to use. And then you press the kind of like a a weapon wheel. Yeah. Almost like a weapon wheel. And then you, you press X on the Xbox controller or square on the PlayStation controller. And then that activates the emerald power. If you're not on cooldown, because there is a cooldown and that it will automatically get replenished if you go through a checkpoint. So that's kind of the way the economy works and the way the the activation works. So there's Avatar where it sends just a bunch of clones of your character running across the screen and takes out pretty much every enemy on the screen. That's really helpful for like boss battles. And like I know that you and I both used it in like a, an Eggman boss fight where like I remember I was like, oh, my God, like I'm going to die on this this fight. And I was like, oh, wait, I have my Emerald power. And I just did that. I'm like, cool. I didn't die. 
So the yeah. avatar in particular is like a get out of jail free card if you're in a tough like enemy encounter. So I like that about it. But you do have to be mindful because like a lot of the bosses are multi-phase. So if you are doing you you should probably save it for as long as late into the boss battle as as possible. So that way like if you get to the end and it's like, "Oh, there's only one more phase, I'm pretty sure." You could just do that and get kind of an auto win as long as like you don't miss, which it's pretty hard to miss on the avatar one. Um, Ivy is another one that's tied to the green chaos emerald. Basically like you can grow like this vine out of the ground and it, it allows you to reach new areas. And you can also do this to like help your co-op partner. So like you can have like a, an Ivy grow out of the ground and they can jump on the, the, the vine and, and get to a place that maybe you could get to. And Brian, does that act like, so in the, the vine zone, I I'm sorry, I forget the official name. Speed jungle. Uh, speed jungle. Uh, there's vines everywhere. You can kind of, uh, dash on. Uh, is that how the vine IV power works as well, or is it more of a climbable? It's kind of like thing? a platform. Yeah, the the, the vines okay. in Speed Jungle yeah. have two purposes. There's some that you grind on that like kind of send you flying forward, and yeah. there's others that you're like using as like slingshots to like go upwards. This is more of yeah. just like a, a platform that grows out of the ground. Okay, yeah. From my understanding of it, because I I didn't get my hands on this particular emerald power. Um, the third emerald power, and again, these are in no particular order aside from, I know avatar is number one bullet is number two in terms of how you unlock it, but I don't know what the rest of them are in terms of like order that you unlock, but there's water, which basically allows you to go up waterfalls, or if you're underwater, you can basically move freely around, um, in those areas. So that's really helpful, especially in the lagoon city zone. Um, bullet is another one where it's like you basically like suspend in midair and then you can aim which direction you want to go and then fire in that direction and that's useful especially in like if you need to get to like a, a higher up platform then you could jump or if you need to like hit a boss that's kind of like too high above you but i think that if you're in a boss situation you probably just want to use avatar anyway um vision this is an interesting one because it makes it so like you can activate this and you can see things that aren't normally visible. So the, the, the example that we got was like, okay, well, you know, if you see like an area that looks like maybe it's a little emptier than it should be, you can activate vision and it will like show, Oh, there's like platforms and rings and other stuff that you can collect that you wouldn't have otherwise been able to collect. And they said that this is like to encourage exploration, but also I asked, I was like, Oh, well, if it's like showing stuff that's unseen, how am I going to know when to activate these? Because, you know, you only get, so many uses of emerald powers and they're like oh well there's going to be an indicator of some sort and i don't know how that what that means but there's going to be some way that like you'll know that you should use this this ability and then uh, the last one that is universal for all characters is slow and basically that's exactly what the name says it slows down everything on the screen gives you more time to react to stuff whether it's a boss attack or like a platforming sequence that you need to time and then there's a, a seventh one tied to the the last chaos emerald and that is extra and this one is interesting because all the other emerald powers act the same for every character mm -hmm. but this one gives you a character specific ability so sonic unlocks the homing attack which was introduced in sonic adventure knuckles earns the ability to punch tails gets the tornado spin which at first i was like okay so he spins and, and then like, Amy gets the throwable hammer, right? Yeah, Amy can throw her hammer. But like Tails, like, I was like, okay, I need some clarification on what this is because I didn't have this ability when I was playing. And basically, it's not like him calling in the tornado plane. It's not him actually spinning around. It's him throwing a projectile tornado that like travels along the ground and takes out enemies in the way. So that's 
that's interesting and, and and very cool. So I'm I'm looking forward to getting my hands on that. The homing attack, I don't think it worked in Sonic Four as a 2D side scroller because the physics were so bad. I think it could work well in the Sonic Superstars format because the physics feels so good. I think it's going to be cool to see if like this actually feels good. Yeah. Um. Because it. it typically hasn't felt good in the 2d setting but we only have sonic 4 really to go off on that and like some of the handheld entries so i want to see that and um then of course you know if you get all seven you can turn into super sonic or super tails or super amy or super knuckles and they all behave the same way where you know you're invincible vulnerable faster right faster your rings deplete so i think you need to have you, you typically i mean i don't know if this is the way it works in the game i'm assuming it does but typically, supersonic. In order to get that, you need to get fifty rings and all seven chaos emeralds, and then you jump in the air, mm-hmm. and that is how you activate it. So that um, I'm assuming that's how that works here as well. I know you can use emerald powers. You can choose which emerald power you want to use. So if you don't want to use supersonic, you don't have to. You can keep using vision or whatever other emerald power you want to use. So. That's the uh, that that's the Emerald Powers. How are you feeling about Sonic Superstars, Alex? Uh, I say I've said this about a few recent Sonic games, in that I get very excited to play them. Um, and I really liked Mania. Mania, I believe, made my top ten list in what twenty seventeen. Was that yep, right? That's that when it came out. Um, and that was that was because I, I grew up a Sonic kid. Uh, reluctantly i i i was never uh it was always a little too fast and i think there are some inherent design flaws that's the sonic series has just based on its dna um and uh one being like you can't see what's in front of you that well um and then of course they build around that and that's part of the part of what people like is the speed and the you know the challenge of maneuvering right um but i really like sonic mania uh, and this is giving me some of those vibes. Like when I, when I sit here and, and, and talk about it and, and also when we played it, it's like, okay, this would be like a fun weekend game. Uh, cause I, I get the impression it's, it's not that long. Uh, you played six zones and I believe they said that was halfway. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I mean, the, there's a Nintendo direct trailer that came out that was like speed through 12 zones. So that's why I'm okay, like, yeah, assuming yeah. that's at least that's what they've announced. Sure, sure. Um, it seems like it's not going to light my world on fire, but uh, I don't really need it to. Uh, and, I, and I think like actual Sonic fans, it really does feel like this is going to be one of the good ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm excited to play it. I'm excited to see uh, see how it does. I well. got full on back into like playing Sonic games after we got back from the trip because I was like, you know what? I'm going to check this out. So I, I played a little bit of Sonic 4. I'm like, nope, this still isn't great. And then <laughs> I went and played Sonic Mania last night. And I was like, God, this still feels so good. And that, that I mean, it's what Sonic Superstars more or less feels like. So that's why I'm really excited about this game. And that's why I was like really happy that we got to have it on our cover. And I, by the way, the cover art by uh, Mark Hughes, who is an IDW comics artist. He also did the reverse cover for the physical version of Sonic Superstars. He knocked it out of the park with our, our cover art on our magazine this this month. Yeah, it's really cool looking. I I do that's one thing I do love about uh our Sonic cover stories is the art is always awesome. 
Yeah, and um, I'm, I was happy. Like Sega did a great job lining him up to do it last last time when we had Sonic Frontiers on the cover. It was Evan Stanley, who was another um, another comic artist. She did a great cover for. She did two great covers for us last. Didn't time. she work on uh, the comic series? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she works yeah. with IDW a lot, um, and then uh, Mark Hughes does IDW work as well, and also some Sega stuff. So definitely, if you're if you get print issues of game informer that is oh you know it's funny uh people have been asking if they can get print versions of game informer uh like at the store i I walked into my local GameStop today and they had a whole stack of probably 20 game informers sitting right there at checkout oh great that's awesome they had the the diablo they had um our most recent cover armored core so i imagine you know you can probably find a a sonic one uh your local you can always just go to you can always just go to the, uh, gamestop.com slash game informer and buy uh buy a, a print version uh but if you don't want to pay for shipping maybe check out your local store they might they might have one yeah and uh wait a couple weeks though because uh, yeah, i don't think yeah, any always physical takes, copies have come out yet yeah yeah it always it always takes a little while um for those to arrive but yeah, so Sonic Superstars, I'm very positive on it. You seem pretty positive on it. And we don't know when it comes out, but they keep saying this fall. So it, that's going to join an already jam-packed fall slash holiday release schedule that uh, you know might go down in history if all these games pan out the way we're, we're thinking they might. Uh, but Alex, we're going to take our final break of the show. When we get back, we'll be doing Definitive Ranking and eShop Gem of the Week. We will be right back. We are back and it is time for Definitive Ranking, a recurring segment where we take a Nintendo topic and give our personal top five lists. Since this episode's main segment was all about Sonic Superstars, a game that is returning a long-running series to its roots, Alex, I want to get your top five series that you want to see go back to its roots. So start five, count it down to one, give me a sentence about each. All right. Um, This is totally off the dome. It's been a very busy day, Um, but I am passionate about this topic. Um, my number five is going to be Splinter Cell. Uh, I love, love, love Splinter Cell. Obviously, we have news they're remaking Chaos Theory, mm-hmm. um, which I love Chaos Theory. Um, but yeah, I want that. I want that to go back to its roots in stealth gameplay, uh, in asymmetrical multiplayer, uh, specifically spies versus mercenaries. Um, are there are there any Splinter Cell games on Switch? Do you know? I don't think so. Yeah. Missed opportunity. Um, so that is going to be my number five. Uh, my number four is going to be Roller Coaster Tycoon. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. So uh, there, there are Roller Coaster Tycoon games on Switch, specifically uh, Tycoon 3, um and i'm not sure if they if they ever released the the deluxe version um i think they just have roller coaster tycoon 3 and then tycoon adventures on switch um yeah and, and, i think so and those are like fairly recent i believe i mean obviously 3 isn't but um roller coaster tycoon adventures came out i want to say uh like 5ish years ago i believe oh yeah 2018 december 2018 and uh, that is a series that I would love to go back to its roots in pixel art um, and, and really double down on the, the management side and the, the that game is just, it's, it's complicated, but it's presented in such a simple way 
that it's it's very uh, approachable mm-hmm. and it's great for long sessions. Um, so yeah, I would love Roller Coaster Tycoon uh, to go back to its roots. Man, I'm I'm literally just coming going off the top of the dome, Shay. Okay, you ready for the next one? I mean, that was a great great entry that I wish that I thought of. But yeah, go Thank ahead. You. Number number three. <sighs> number three, uh, it's going to be um, oh, it's going to be Crackdown. Oh um, wow. Yeah, we got Crackdown 3 a few years ago. That was obviously, uh, that's probably going to be the last Crackdown game we get. Um, But man, Crackdown 1, one of my favorite games of all time. I think on my my list of the top 50 games of all time, it's number 11. Um, I love Crackdown 1. I think it's great. Uh, And I'd love to see that series return to its roots. and for people who haven't played that, it's a open world superhero game where the way you level up is just by. So if you want to get stronger, you just do strength based activities uh, and you're so like if you your level one strength, just go punch a bunch of stuff and you'll get level two and you'll you'll slowly get up to where you can like lift cars uh, and throw them at people. The same thing with jumping. If you jump a lot, your your jumping ability uh, gets to the point where you can jump over skyscrapers. It's it's a really cool game with great progression. Uh, so what? That's number three, right? Yes. Uh, number two, in a game that would be perfect on Switch, um, especially because Microsoft plays well with with Nintendo these days, um, would be Viva Pinata. I think a a new Viva Pinata, uh, back to basics. You know, Viva Pinata one and two. Uh, two was was uh, got a little I feel like feature creep, and then there was like several spinoffs that didn't really do it for me. But I would love to see that series come to Switch specifically, uh, and go back to its its gardening, um, breeding roots. That game would be perfect on Switch. I love Viva Pinata. I think it would be accepted by the Nintendo community with open arms. Um, and it is one of my favorite games of all time, specifically number 15 on my, my favorite games of all time. I have heard a lot of people sing the praises of that series and I just have never done it. Oh, it's so good. Oh, it's incredible. It's incredible. Um, man, last one. I got to make this one count. Yeah. This is your Um, number one. Yeah. This is my number one. Should have been roller coaster tycoon, to be honest. I know it could have, that would have been pretty good. I'm I'm referencing my my favorite games because a lot of my favorite games are are older ones, mm-hmm. uh, and so I'm trying to think of where the series has come, and a lot of them have progressed really well. Like I could say I was looking Grand Theft Auto Three is on my list, but Grand Theft Auto is in a great place. I don't want it to go back to it, its roots. Super Mario Odyssey is another one I love, but I love the way that that series is progressing, so I don't really want it to go back to its roots. Uh, even though you know we've got Mario Wonder, a 2D Mario coming out. Um, okay. I think I've settled on one, Shay. Okay. Um, it's going to be Mirror's Edge. Wow. And okay. That is a game that very much transformed just between a, a, a sequel. It very much uh, became bloated and transformed into something that um, maybe like seemed cool on paper, but in execution was, was very, very flawed and uh, bloated and just suffered majorly from feature creep. The first Mirror's Edge, um, which I recommend everybody playing. Was simple. Uh, simple, linear parkour platforming. Um, you're being chased, you run, you slide, you climb, you run some more, you wall run. 
God. Mirror's Edge is maybe the game I've replayed most in my life, unless you count resubscribing to World of Warcraft several times. <laughs> um, that's a game that you can just boot up and and have a great time for, for an hour or two. You can even delete your save, come back another year later, do it again. Oh, it's so good. So that those are my picks, Shay. What about you? I was actually looking at this list and having a hard time at first, mostly because like so many of the series have returned to their roots over the last 15 years. Like, yeah, it's like, been a teen- trend. Like, yeah, like Sonic is a great example of that. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like if this, this, we were doing this list three years ago, I'd be like, oh yeah, Ninja Turtles. That'd be awesome to have like a, a side-scrolling beat-em-up Ninja Turtles game. Uh, we have Combat, <laughs> Street Fighter. Yeah. Uh, Mario. Those are all games that have like either announced or recently put out like a game that is like kind of like veers close to what they originally were. And then I also had so many games that were on my list that I didn't like Contra, like Castlevania. Um, God, what a Final Fantasy. I was like, I'd love like a, a turn based Final Fantasy game to come back. And but like none of those made my list because I ended up removing them in favor of my actual top five. So here we go. Oh, OK. Number five, The Legend of Zelda. Everybody mm. keeps asking, like, all right, well, what's next for Zelda after something like Tears of the Kingdom? I would like, I mean, it's been more than a decade now since we've had a top-down, all-new Zelda game. That was A Link Between Worlds. I mean, I guess Triforce Heroes. Yeah, well, Triforce Heroes, nobody really remembers that game. So <laughs> I certainly <laughs> didn't when I was when I was uh, getting ready for that. Um, but yeah, I would like a new top-down Zelda game that isn't a remake like Link's Awakening was like, just give us something like that. And that's a great way to like, kind of be like, Oh yeah, remember this. You know what? I would even take a, a remake of a link between worlds. Cause that game rules. So that's the other one that is not on, uh, on switch that needs to be. I, I mentioned earlier in the show that wind waker and twilight princess still not on there, but neither is a yeah. Link between worlds, which is another you, all-time great. Do you think we will ever get a Zelda maker? They uh, they said Paper Zelda was being made. I don't know what that meant. Like I rewatched our 2017 Rapid Fire interview with Aonuma and Miyamoto, and they were like, "Yeah, we're making Paper Zelda," and we're like, "Wait, what? You just admitted that?" But uh, I don't I don't know if they were joking or what. But um, Zelda Maker, I don't think so. I think the closest we we're going to get is the Dungeon Maker in uh, Link's Awakening, the remake. But also mm. there is a Zelda maker that isn't officially a Zelda maker that's on switch and steam right now called super dungeon maker that if you want to make a a top down Zelda game, you can do that. Um, But yeah, so that's my number five, number four, Marvel fighting games. So now, you know, we've gotten like all these Marvel versus Capcom games. The rosters are huge, but people may not remember that before Marvel versus Capcom existed, we had just Marvel superheroes and we had like an X-Men fighting game. And it's like, if we just had a Marvel fighting game created by Capcom or literally any other developer, really, but I don't need the Capcom characters. You know, I have enough fighting games with, with Ryu in them. So I don't know <laughs> that, that I necessarily need that. So if it, they just brought it back to basics, like have a cool storyline featuring the characters of Marvel in a super solid fighting mechanics, I would be all about that. That's what those early Marvel fighting games that Capcom created were all about before they were like, oh, what if we crossed over our Capcom characters with them? And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know if we need that. And like, it's fun. Like, I like the Marvel versus Capcom series, 
but I would love just like a cool fighting game starring like a huge roster of Marvel characters. Number That'd be sick. Number three, this is very specific. The Pokemon trading card game video game series. Oh, so this would have been my number one. What was I thinking? <laughs> so we oh have Pokemon trading card game live right now, which is like kind of like the online only like trading card battler. But you may remember the Game Boy Color Pokemon oh, trading I, card game. I remember. So I remember. good. So good. And I would love an updated version of that. That's just all it is. is it's a it's a Pokemon RPG, but instead of capturing Pokemon, you're earning trading card booster packs and building decks based on that. And it is so much fun. I think in a world where like Marvel Snap is so popular and other deck builders are like really popular a Pokemon trading card game RPG would be a mm. lot of fun and, and people would love it. So I would be all about that um, if they were able to go back to their roots in some way resembling that. Absolutely. That's number, a great pick. Number two, and this might sound like a backhanded compliment here, Overwatch. Mm, okay. That game isn't that old. That that series is not that old. It came out in 2016, but Overwatch 2 changed so much about the structure that the gameplay is very similar still, but the structure of how everything, how you earn stuff. I never thought I'd be yearning for the days of loot boxes, but here we are because I would love, I would take the loot boxes of Overwatch 1 over the battle pass of Overwatch 2 any day of the week. And uh, yeah, that's why I, I, that, I desperately want Overwatch 1's kind of like monetization, cosmetic unlock system brian shea on record bring loot boxes back i mean i think most overwatch fans would probably agree with me on that one to be honest <laughs> um i would gladly pay 60 dollars for the base game and then buy loot boxes instead of having to get the battle pass every single time um and then number one star fox because mm. past attempts of star fox have just added on unnecessary gimmicks or unnecessary gameplay modes whether it's like Fox is now getting out of the R wing or now there's like too many vehicles or, you know, it's, it, there's a second screen gimmick like star Fox zero. I think if we just had like something that played like star Fox 64, maybe some additional mechanics. Like if, if you listen to that episode where it was like kind of a, a failed pitch that retro studios, former art director had about how to like, I think it was like star Fox mercenaries was the name. And it had like a, a system where like you were trying to rebuild Corneria. And like, so after every mission, you got your reward money and you had to decide how much you were sending back home for the rebuild efforts and how much you were keeping for yourself. And then there's like, you know, you're getting like requests as mercenaries to go do stuff and you choose which ones to accept. So it's not just a linear story, but there is a linear story that emerges. That's all fine and dandy, but the core gameplay, keep it the same as like 64 and we're good. Sure. That, that game rules. I still can play Star Fox 64 and have a great time. I wish that we could get a new Star Fox game. And that shouldn't be news to anybody who listens to this podcast on the regular because I <laughs> continually say that Star Fox Zero would be a fun game if they ported it to Switch and got rid of all the dumb second screen motion control stuff. But yeah, that's, that's my list. Um, that leaves us with the final segment of this episode, Alex. That is the eShop Gem of the Week. A chance for you to give a shout out to a game that we might not otherwise cover. So what is your eShop Gem of the Week this time? My eShop Gem, Gem of the Week this time, and I I don't think I've done this one before. Um, 
is Townscaper. Uh, if you are a happen to be a PC player that also uh, plays Switch, you might have played this before on Steam or something. Um, but Townscaper is really more of a toy than a game. It is a a indie. It's it was made by one person, Oscar Stahlberg. It is a city builder game. There aren't any objectives. It is purely um, unleashing your creativity. Uh, and I believe it is $5. I'm double checking right now. It is $5.99. Yeah, $6. On, yeah. Uh, so Townscaper, you are kind of selecting the color of buildings you want. And and each level starts on a blank C. And you are just building up these really pretty and quirky seaside towns. Um, and, you know, the higher you stack or different combinations, the way you stack things, um, they create new new different kinds of buildings. And so it's like there, the, the game of it is, is mostly, Oh, what kind of combinations of buildings uh, can I make that make a new type of building? Right. Mm-hmm. But there aren't any objectives. It is purely expression. Uh, great, great. A <laughs> lot of screenshots taken on this thing for me. Um, but yeah, I definitely recommend townscaper, my e-shop gym of the week. I literally just downloaded it on my dad's Nintendo switch this morning. How does it play on switch? I mean, have you had a chance to really dig into it? Like, does it seem like it translates well because I do have it on steam, but I would prefer to have it on switch. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I, it's not as like fast, like with the mouse, you know, you have more precision. Uh, you're doing all of that with, you know, a switch instead of a mouse and keyboard, but yeah, it's, it's not a demanding game, uh, in terms of like, controls or motor skills so it it translates pretty well from from what i've seen well that's great to hear i'll have to man another game that i'm just gonna have to buy because i think the last one did the last one i recommend was that lo-fi hip-hop or lo-fi ping Ping pong pong. yeah yeah i did buy that one as well it's a fun game too yeah yeah game good uh but yeah six dollars came out to switch or came to switch in 2021 so uh that's a pretty good call out because that's one that i didn't even know was on switch i had it on steam and i've been meaning to put more time into it for the longest time now so maybe having it on switch will kind of give me more incentive to do that but alex thank you so much for joining me for this second and third segments of this episode yeah thanks for thanks for having me i appreciate it And thank you so much to everyone for listening. Do me a favor, if you haven't already, throw All Things Nintendo a five-star review and hit that subscribe button. And if you want to get any questions or comments in, you can get in touch with me at allthingsnintendo at gameinformer.com or hit me up on Twitter. That's right, I'm back. Or Instagram at Brian Pichet. I'm also now on Threads and Blue Sky, both Brian Pichet. You can also join the Game Informer Community Discord, which is a perk for subscribing to our Twitch channel even just for one month. Alex, tell everyone where they can find you online. Yeah, you can uh, find me alexvanaken.com. That has a a tab that says where to find me and has links to all of my social media. Uh, But but yeah, I'm at It's Van Aken on pretty much every social media platform that I want you to find me on. Um, It's just I-T-S-V-A-N-A-K-E-N. I'm on pretty much all of them. And, uh, you know, um, we're not going to talk about what that does to somebody's mental health. But um, but yeah, it's it's been a fun episode on all things Nintendo. Thanks for having me, Brian. And the ones that are not listed on alexvanaken.com, which, by the way, very snazzy-looking site. Congrats on the relaunch of that. Thank you. Uh, your fanfic account is not listed on that, I'm imagining. Oh, no, no. My Sonic fanfic 
Um, actually, I did used to make Sonic comics as a kid. I have them somewhere. Hey, I did. Um, I did too. I, I made yeah. Mario comics. I made uh, Sonic comics. Yeah, I think that a lot of like us diehard fans of those games back in the day used to do that stuff. But yeah, that is our show for this week. Thank you all again so much for listening. Take care. We'll see you next time. <laughs>